Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our weekly Penguins chat. Andrew Destin, of course, with Matt Venzel, who's traveling with the team out in California, uh, coming off the heels of the Penguins' uh, win by a large margin on Saturday, 10-2, the, the Sharks beat or the Penguins beat the lowly Sharks. Um, not much to, to gather uh, on the Penguins' front from that one, uh, just given how horrible of a spot San Jose is in right now as a winless squad. But, um, of course, some milestones like Jake Gensel getting the 200 career goals, Sidney Crosby now at 1,200 career games played. But um, something of more note from that game, we saw the first game this year uh, and perhaps the first game of his career where Jeff Carter has been a healthy scratch and the Penguins got a chance to work without him on the fourth line. Kind of want to discuss that with you, and I'm sure we're going to get into a lot more on the Jeff Carter discussion, Matt, but um, the first impressions of that line with Vinny Henestrosa in for Jeff Carter, and and then I guess we'll just segue that into discussions of the greater picture here of the Jeff Carter discussion. Well, first, Andrew, I just want to say how happy I am. Uh, I'm in California, practices in a few hours, and like some people might think I would want to be at like a beach right now, um, but instead, I'm in this beautiful town place suites talking hockey with you. So I'm just ecstatic right now. Um, in all seriousness, yeah, I mean, there, there's not a ton to glean from this game against the Sharks the other day. Um, but yeah, the, the fourth line is one of the, the storylines of that game. And it's going to be a storyline going forward because of Jeff Carter. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk to him after the morning skate. We just missed him because he was out on the ice for a while on Saturday. Uh, it's Monday as we record this. We're going to be out in Anaheim. Maybe we'll get a chance to talk to him after practice today. But, yeah, the line um, was better without him on it. Uh, I know a lot of fans will say, okay, that's that's no big surprise. But I will say he wasn't the only reason that line was underperforming. I mean, Matt Nieto wasn't making a ton of an impact. Same thing for Noel Achari. Um, but I do think with Henestros on that line, um, there was just a noticeable energy that hadn't been there previously. Um, they scored a couple goals. That's kind of secondary to everything in a game like that. But the way they did it is noticeable or is uh, noteworthy as well. Uh, one of the goals on the forecheck and another one on the rush. And with the forecheck, that's just not something we saw a ton of from the Carter line. Uh, previously, they would get pinned down on their own end. They weren't doing the same at the other end. You look at the Penguins' third line, a big part of why they've been so successful is they've gotten the forecheck going. So you know, maybe getting Henestros on that line in place of Carter means that they're going to be a little bit more active and spend more time down in the offensive zone. So we know Mike Sullivan, um, you know, he, he doesn't often after a win change up the lines, um, particularly a, an eight goal win. So I would think, you know, going into this Anaheim game here that we're going to see Carter continue to be a scratch and, you know, it'll be kind of fascinating to see where things go from here, especially because, you know, he spent a lot of time in L.A. He won two cups. Um 
you know, he hasn't said whether this is going to be his last season or not. I think a lot of people assume it will be because his contract will be up. But um, you do think that would have been a game that he wanted to play in. And, you know, if the Penguins win again against the Ducks, he's probably not going to play in L.A. at the end of this week. Right. Such an emotional game for him last year, of course, too, with the, uh, the Kings having a statue presentation for Dustin Brown. Just a lot going on last year. You flash forward a year later and now Jeff Carter, of course, in a very different spot. Um, there's a lot of ways that we could go about this, right, in terms of speaking in hypotheticals. There's a lot of ambiguity here just based off of where things sit with Carter. But some of the facts just to put on the table that you and I have written about numerous times with Carter, this being the final year of the contract with him um, under a contract that I believe pays him $3.125 million this year. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talks about what do the Penguins do? I mean, in terms of if you were to waive him, that doesn't really give you any benefit from a salary camp standpoint finding a team that's willing to take on that contract in this era where most teams are pressed up against the cap. There's a few exceptions there, but, um, you know, we've discussed some of the options the Penguins do have. Um, is there anything on the table that maybe we're missing beyond the ones of, is there any shot the Penguins could trade him? Um, or is this something that could be in Carter's hands of what the next steps look like here if he is to remain a healthy scratcher moving forward? Yeah, let, let's lay out the facts here. Um, for one, cap hit is $3.125 million. Um, he signed his contract when he was over 35. So it's a 35 plus contract, which means there's really no cap benefit to buying somebody out. They can't even buy him out at this point. You can only do that in the off season. And if he were to retire, um, there also would be no cap relief. I mean, it would free up a roster spot, but they wouldn't have the salary cap space at this point to really do anything with it. Um, he's got a full no trade clause, um, another perk that was given to him by Ron Hextall. Um, you wonder if that was something that was kind of promised to Jeff when he agreed to, to come out to Pittsburgh in the first place a few years back that, you know, this would be illegal, of course, but Hextall might have said, OK, like we'll take care of you at the back end of this if you're willing to move your family out to Pittsburgh. So people wonder why. Hextall might have given him some of these perks. I think that might have something to do with it. So um, to go to the minor leagues, because he has a full no movement clause, he has to agree to go on waivers. So it's in his hands. Um, you know, he, he could say, I'm not doing that. I, I think with Carter, I think he's misunderstood. And I think part of that is his fault because he doesn't like to talk to the media very much. Um, you know, I think some of the talk about him, like outright avoiding us is overblown. I, I talked to him quite often, um, but he doesn't talk a ton. Um, and I think people think maybe he's just came back this year to collect a paycheck. And I, I don't know Jeff super well, but I know him a little bit. And I, I don't think that's was his motivation for coming back. I, I think Jeff didn't like how last season went. I think he's a proud guy. He's had a great career, won a couple of cups, scored 400 plus goals, gotten Selkie votes, um, great player. And I think he didn't want to go out like he did last year. I think he wanted to come back and show that he still had more to give and obviously um the start hasn't gone as he planned zero points in nine games and now he's a healthy scratch so i do think he's a proud guy who doesn't want like he wouldn't want to go to the minor leagues and it wasn't wouldn't be something basically to stick into the penguins i just think he probably doesn't want his career to end like that especially with his family in pittsburgh so you know this is all just kind of you know reading through the situation from what i understand it but it's definitely a delicate one because um, you know, if it continues to be where he's not playing at all, or if it does get to the points where the Penguins do need to try to do something with that roster spot, um, you wonder what would happen with Carter. I, I, you know, you wonder if he would just say, okay, you know what, I'm going to retire. Um, 
And if that was the case, they still have to figure out what to do with this contract. Now, some teams, I haven't looked. Why would I prepare for a podcast? Um, <laughs> but I, I, there are some teams out there that have a little bit of a cap wiggle room that could fit in 3.1 million. So if it did, you know, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. But if he continues to not play, the Penguins want to bring up, I don't know, Sam Pullin. He's hurt right now. But say they wanted to bring him up. Um, you know, maybe it gets to the point where Carter says, okay, I'm going to retire and I'll waive my no trade clause and you can dump my contract in the desert in Arizona. So those are just kind of all the options. I'm not saying any of these things are going to happen. I think it's very much, you know, a wide open situation right now. Um, you know, we'll see. Maybe Carter gets back in the lineup and, and plays better too. But um, we kind of knew heading into this year that it was going to be saga is too strong of a word, but it just would be an interesting storyline to follow because of, um, you know, Jeff's career. Um, where he is at in this point in his career and, you know, kind of the, the Penguins limited flexibility with his contract because it's a 35 plus contract. Right. And you bring up Poulin there is a name that comes to mind for me, just given um, on this discussion of Carter, I think any thoughts of, you know, any of the options that we've both outlined here being things that are on the table are probably you can hedge on discussing those for a little bit here, just given that Poulin is out injured week to week with an injury. Uh, Valtteri Pustinen is another guy who's out week to week with Wilkes, you know, not to say that either of those guys, you know, that we have any intel that they were next in line to come up, but we're certainly two players who you would monitor as potential call-ups for the bottom six. With both those guys injured, you got to feel like that gives Carter at least a little bit more wiggle room or time where maybe he gets back into the lineup and remains a valid option because, you know, Mike Sullivan said that Hinnestros is here because he was playing well. I don't think that you can look at Wilkes right now and say that there's anybody banging on the door that's demanding a call-up, um, you know. so Well, I'm, I don't know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. And they do have, I mean, Colin White is who, I mean, you're talking about roles too. If a guy was to be promoted, right. um, you'd be looking for a fourth liner. They wouldn't want Pustin in to play that kind of role, but Colin White potentially, maybe we get another look at our old friend Jansen Harkins and his beautiful mullet. So I do think they have a ton of options, but to your point, uh, there's not like one guy where it's like, this guy needs to be here, um, you know, especially with pulling hurt and, you know, still trying to get back on track after last year. So um yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, I, I will add that like Mike Sullivan was like very complimentary of, of Jeff Carter. I mean, he's always defended. I mean, he defends all his players. It's very rare when he um, is critical of any player. But, you know, he said, look, like this guy has been a professional. He's handled it great. Um, we value his leadership so much. And I do think that's true. I mean, part of the reason he's continued to be in the lineup is, you know, Sullivan feels that Carter has like a calming influence because all of his experience and his personality where he can just kind of calm people down. Um, you know, and, you know, he said, look, Jeff Carter helps us win whether he's in the lineup or not. So, you know, we'll see 
we'll see which of those avenues it's going to be going forward. But, you know, I do think we're looking at, um, you know, him probably not playing against Anaheim, and then we'll see about LA. Yep, certainly something to keep it tabs on. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on as we kind of transition topics here, moving on from Carter, um, you wrote a piece that I believe came out on Sunday for us at the Post-Gazette on Eric Carlson, um, which certainly was timely given his return back to San Jose for the first time after being traded over uh, from the Sharks to the Penguins over the offseason. But a guy who um, this season has certainly flashed his potential and the reason why he was such a standout player last year on a team in San Jose that certainly had a lot of holes that he helped cover up even in a bad season for the Sharks. But um, wanted to touch on that with you. What you've seen from him, you certainly wrote about him and took a much deeper dive on this topic of what we've seen from Eric Carlson, what he's flashed, and is there another level to his game that we perhaps could see here moving forward with the Penguins? Yeah, I wanted to do Matt Nieto's return to San Jose, but people <laughs> didn't really want to. The only person who wanted to read that is you. Um, <laughs> I would have commented six times. And, Andrew's from the Bay Area, everyone. So that, that's why I keep making these these Matt Nieto jokes. Um, <laughs> Carlson, yeah, I I, I would say he's been pretty good, um, but the Penguins didn't move heaven and earth to, to get pretty good. They're, they're looking for a, a true game breaker. Um, and that's not to take a knock at Carlson. Like I said, he's been pretty good. We'll, we'll talk about, you know, some of the stats and the things to point out with him. But, you know, he said he's still trying to get comfortable with the system and his new teammates. I think with any player switching teams, um, particularly young players, but all players, like you got to remember – what an adjustment it is for these people off the ice as well. Um, you know, you're getting new, you got to figure out where to go get your groceries. You got to get a new car. You got to get a driver's license. You have all this other stuff kind of swirling around you, finding a home in addition to just trying to, you know, play your best on the ice and get used to new surroundings. So, you know, Carlson's a, a, a veteran player. He's been through it before when he was traded from Ottawa to San Jose. So I'm not saying this is like a huge deal, but it is a factor as well. And just these guys getting comfortable in the surroundings. And then Sullivan admitted too, like, you know, we think there's another level to his game and it's up to us to, to get him to that point. Um, you know, Sullivan said they're not putting any reins. He said reins on Carlson. They want him to go out and play within the framework of their system. So they're not trying to drastically change the way he plays, but it's clear he hasn't been as impactful as he was in San Jose. And I guess some of that is to be expected too, because the context of those teams are completely different. Um, the Sharks were starting a rebuild last year. Um, he had to shoulder a lot of the load, which is why he ended up getting 101 points, was it? 102 points. First mm -hmm. defenseman in three decades to hit 100 points. They needed him to do a lot. Whereas in Pittsburgh, there's a lot more talent there. There's another very good, you know, Hall of Fame type blue liner in Chris Letang and then all the firepower up front. So I guess it should be a little bit expected that he hasn't been as assertive. And, you know, we've seen him defer at times in the power play. Um, but so eight points in 10 games. Um, he had two points and a plus five rating against the Sharks on Saturday. Um, you know, obviously we're, we're maybe picking nits a little bit here. Yeah. No, it's At least I am. <laughs> I, I'm the one who wrote it. I'll, I'll take it. But. Well, yeah, it's a lot that I just I agreed with you on there because it just seems like, and I know you wrote about this as well, but on the power play in, uh, in particular, it's been something that stood out because this is a guy that the last four or five years constantly watching him on a power play um, the way that he's played with the Penguins so far, it kind of reminds me of when uh, the Sharks tried to marry the concept of him and Burns being on the power play together, and neither one of them was sure who was the quarterback of the unit, who was the guy who was supposed to be at the point, firing most of the shots and driving that play, and Carlson ended up being the one who was a little bit more deferential, and it feels somewhat similar in that regard with the power play early on. There have been signs with him 
maybe being a little bit more aggressive, but I think that play, you can kind of extrapolate it to five on five play or various, um, you know, parts of the game with Carlson has just been that little bit of apprehension, which, you know, to your point, probably just is a matter of coming to a new team and a very different dynamic because you're not trying to, oh, you know, usurp the personalities in the room or the guys who at the net front can score like the Penguins have that maybe the Sharks didn't have last year and certainly the last couple of years. Yeah, so I, I pulled some stats from our friends at SportLogic to just kind of compare his Norris season last year in San Jose to this year. Uh, this didn't get into my story, but it, you you were talking about the power play. Um, his, his puck possession time on the power play um, is actually double than it was in San Jose. So um, – and his number of passes is double. So it's kind of counterintuitive. You'd be like, okay, well, this means he's more active in Pittsburgh. It actually points to the fact that he's been more deferential. He hasn't been as assertive. Whereas in San Jose, he would be really decisive and say, okay, like I'm making this play with the puck right away. Whereas now you're just kind of seeing him hold it and probing and waiting and him and, you know, or not Latang, but him and Rust and him and Malkin, whoever's in the faceoff dots are just kind of, you know, playing badminton back and forth, just whacking it back and forth. So I, I do think that, you know, you, that's where it shows up in the numbers there. And then, yeah, at five on five, um, there's some good and there's some bad. I mean, he's number one in the league in completed stretch passes per game. Um, so that's as advertised. The trade-off is, you know, in San Jose, it was often he was the one joining the rush or leading the rush. And we've seen his zone entries, which is him carrying the puck across the line, go way down. So in San Jose, he was doing it himself a lot. Whereas now he's just firing it up to his forwards, which is, you know, that's what the system is. But, um, you know, it's just different than what we've seen from him. Um, he's still uh, he's still doing a good job of getting passes completed to teammates in the slot. He's top three among defensemen there. But he only has one high danger chance himself. So he's not himself getting into the scoring areas, whether it's five on five or in the rush. I mean, even just like they showed the highlight reel of him uh, at the game Saturday for the tribute video. Now he was getting booed. Um, so that was kind of the backdrop is boo. Um, but I mean, some of the plays he was making, it just was a reminder of like, oh my God, like this guy has a whole different gear that we just haven't seen yet. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I will say one more, one more uh, thing in his favor is, you know, I think defensively he's been fine. Um, there's only really only a few plays where you kind of cringe watching him play defense where he does like olays some guys in transition and stuff like that. And when he's played with Pedersen, which is, you know, is, is, you know, most frequent partner, they've played about 140 minutes of five on five time per natural stat trick. And they've only allowed three goals together. Um, now there's been more goals when Carlson was out with other partners, but when he is with his intended partner, um, a lot of that's due to Pedersen, but still it's working. So again, pretty good eight points doing all right defensively. Um, maybe showing a little bit of life on the power play, but I, I think the Penguins want more. I, I know he expects more of himself. And if the Penguins are going to climb out of this hole they've dug early in the season, going four, six and oh, and getting to where they want to go, he's going to need to be, uh, you know, one of the ones leading the way. Right. Certainly a guy to watch for. And one final note I'll just make on that with the Carlson discussion is the, the fitness level with him seems to be also as advertised. You mentioned the defensive play and there've been numerous times where we watched him and, he might get beat defensively, but does a great job of getting back in the similar form to how Latang does, where maybe they do let up a two-on-one or a three-on-two rush, and he certainly is still up to the task of getting back and all that sort of stuff. But um, Maybe I need to get in the gym with Carlson like I did with Latang and test his fitness levels. No, I'm kidding. Jeez, I'm still – it's been like three months, and I'm still sore from going up to Montreal and working out with Latang. So you're no, not going to – 
You're not going to Sweden with him. Jeez. No, no, no. You can go. Oof. I don't Start know. running. I might ask Start. him to go to San Jose. Okay. <laughs> uh, one final point before we get into wrapping this up. I want to talk about the goalie situation here. I know we talked about it on the last podcast with uh, Alex Nedeljkovic, of course, being on long-term IR. He's still out until, I believe it's November 19th at the earliest, uh, would be against the Vegas Golden Knights. He could come back. But uh, Tristan Jari, of course, got the start in net on Saturday, giving up the two goals. Um, on TV, looked like he played pretty well. Feel free to tell me otherwise against you know a uh, lackluster Sharks team. But it seems like there's a good chance, just given the way the team's set up here, uh, and how the games are set up here with no back-to-backs the rest of the road trip. But Jari, probably in position to start all three of these games. Is that what we're looking at here? And uh, I guess to to get back to the front point would be, how, what did you make of Tristan's performance against San Jose? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I think he was uh, – well, I mean, look, they lost – or they won 10-2. to 2. It's it's hard to glean too much. But he was pretty yeah. good early on. I mean, they were not sharp in the first period of that game if, if any of you people didn't stay up to – stay up late to watch that game. Um, the Penguins weren't sharp. They jumped out to a 2 nothing lead. And, you know, between Riley Smith's first goal and the second goal, there was a 3-on-2 rush that somehow P.O. Joseph – turned into a two-on-one rush and left a guy all alone. I don't know. It was it was the kind of play um, that could get P.O. back out of the lineup. But um, Tristan made a point-blank save in front of the net, big save there, and moments later, Riley Smith made it 2 nothing, and it was a route. So those are the kind of saves the Penguins need to see, at least in a game like that where, you know, obviously an eight-goal win. So it's a little something to build on, but, you know, you kind of just shrug because he's had opportunities to build so far this season. Um, you look at the Colorado game, he's just been really inconsistent. Um, but to your point, yeah, he's going to be the starter in Anaheim barring a, a major surprise. And if he plays well enough in that game, I, I think Sullivan will go back to him again. I mean, we, these games are all spread out. We're out here in California for like eight, nine days, and there's only three games. So, you know, rest isn't an issue. Um, so, yeah, it's an opportunity for him to get going. But we said the same earlier in the year. I, I will add that, like, in the past, it's like this time of year. Um, you know, two or three seasons we've seen Jari just get scorching hot around Thanksgiving. Maybe he loves Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. Although he's Canadian, they don't have – when is Canadian Thanksgiving? It's uh, Columbus Day, right? Oh, so – all right, there goes my theory. But usually <laughs> he starts playing really well in November. Um, we've seen it in the past. I mean, uh, maybe it's just because he was going out to Western Canada where he's from. But So we'll see if he can get that going. But, yeah, the goaltending obviously hasn't been good enough for the Penguins. Um they only have four quality starts um, in 10 games per sport logic. Jari has three of them. Um, the team total, that's 27th in the league. So that's not great where they're not even just getting like average baseline level goaltending. Uh, Tristan Jari ranks in the low 30 or low 40s among NHL goalies in, in regular save percentage. And then also, um, you know, shots from the slot. So he's just not making saves. And, you know, it's been hard to pinpoint like one or two things why he's struggled. Um, he just isn't making the saves. I think maybe one thing is he's just been 
playing too deep in his net. You've seen him kind of get sniped from the face-off dots and that kind of area where he really shouldn't be allowing goals. You know, often with goalies, that speaks to their confidence. You know, when they have confidence, they're out on top of their crease and they're not afraid of pucks getting behind them. Um, and then when they're struggling, they kind of duck into their net and it leaves them exposed upstairs. And that's a team level thing too. I mean, when the team's allowing a lot of rush chances, the goalie has to play deeper in his net because he's got to get across the crease. So it's not just all about, um, you know, Tristan's confidence in himself. Maybe it, it might be a little bit of like distrust in some of these odd man rushes. So, you know, we'll see if he can build on this game and get going. Um, you know, obviously another big thing is goaltending. I mean, the Penguins are not going to get out of this hole if they don't get good goaltending. And then as for Nadelkovic, um, that'd be a good question for me to ask out here is just, is this guy on the ice yet? I don't believe he's on the trip. I haven't seen him. Maybe it, it, he is. Um, so I don't even know if he's practicing yet. And it, it, if he had, did start practicing, um, you know, it was probably pretty recently. So you're talking about the, he's eligible to return on November 19th, but we don't know if he will be physically ready to return. Right. I don't think it's a big of a deal. I, I think Helberg and Nadelkovich are, um, you know, similar in terms of overall talent. We'll, we'll see if I'm wrong on that one. Um, both have great personalities, though. I mean, geez. Yeah, and both make me... Fun guys. Well, certainly Helberg makes me feel small. I mean, that's the tallest hockey player I've been around. Our, our friend Seth Rohrbaugh at the Trib, who tracks just <laughs> pure nonsense, he somehow figured out that Helberg was the tallest and the heaviest goalie in Penguins history. So um, stick taps to our good friend Seth there for, for that fun fact. I don't know if it's fun, but it's a fact. I, I think it was kind of fun, but I, I might be wrong. I'm not the bearer of fun. I, I don't think I'm the grand poobah on that front. I mean, he says he's 6'8 on skates, which makes sense. But, like, we were talking to him when he came off the ice in San Jose, and he just was, like, towering over us. Um, yeah, he's he's a fun guy. Yeah. Well, that's uh, going to wrap it up for our top three segments. We'll finish off here with stick taps. You and I going back and forth here. You want to lead this one off? or? Uh... Uh, I'll lead it, yeah. You already – Kind of screwed up my first stick tap a little bit in the the intro, but yeah, I just wanted to give uh, stick taps to some milestone players. Um, you know, obviously Sid played in career game number twelve hundred in San Jose. Um, you know, first Penguins player ever to do that, or at least someone to do it in a Penguins uniform. What's crazy is like I I don't have the numbers in front of me, uh, but just I looked at his you know the last two hundred games leading into it, and he was averaging like well over a point per game. And I think he was like sixth or seventh all time in points um, between games 1,000 and 1,200. So the point there is, you know, he's not just like inching towards this milestone. Like he's still really good and really productive. So stick taps to him. Jake Gensel, 200 goals. Honestly, doesn't it feel like he should have like three or 400. Um, I know he came in the league a, a little bit later and then had instant success. But I mean, just with all these 40 goal seasons, he's had a couple of them. 35 goal season it just kind of feels like oh that's it um but still you know um we'll see where he winds up he's a guy if he stays healthy he could maybe get to 400 goals in his career and then finally po career game number 100 kind of a surprise um insertion into the lineup in san jose considering what they were doing in practice the previous two days um we'll see if he gets to career game 102 by the end of this trip or if they put chad ruedel back in uh as we have the revolving door on the third pair right Certainly, alongside Ryan Shea, Joseph getting back into the lineup there. That was one of my stick taps, Matt. We each stole one from each other, I guess. I'm just I read saying. your mind. Was it in the show notes? I didn't read them. Uh, who needs them? They're just for me. They make me feel better that I'm doing It's good to have well. an outline. Uh, something like that. Um, 
my uh, my final stick tap though, I'll go with Crystal Tang with his first goal of the season on Saturday. A guy who um, had been really putting in tons of minutes. I know we talked about the last last podcast. Um, role has enhanced on the penalty kill on the power play. Got sent down to the second unit with uh, with Carlson coming on the scene here. So nice to see for the Penguins' sake, uh, Latang get rewarded with the first goal of the season. Um, and yeah, and of course Joseph getting back into the lineup, uh, playing alongside Ryan Shea, who really has looked like he's coming to his own here. Uh, adjusting to the NHL pace of play. But um, that'll do it for the rest of the podcast. Wait, I got one more. Oh, what you got, man? I want to give a quick stick taps to Sharks fans. So they got absolutely steamrolled in that game. Second straight game where the team allowed 10 goals, which was like the first time in since like 1965 or 1966. And the fans stayed in their seats. At least I noticed like after the seventh or eighth goal, they were still sticking around. They were still loud. Um, it's it's going to be a long rebuild for the Sharks. They're going to be really bad this year. Um, but I was really impressed by the fans. Now, I spent three days in San Jose. There wasn't really anything else to do. I guess maybe that's why they didn't leave. I, I don't know why. If anybody was born in San Jose, you must be like a really dull person because there's just like no activities. But I do want to say, Sharks fans, though, um, stick taps to you guys because you uh, and ladies, you guys uh, all stuck stuck it out there when I know I would have been at least heading to get a beer, um, if not just getting out of that place yeah well I, uh, <laughs> for all those of you watching who don't know not only am i from the bay area uh born and raised in the san jose area specifically so that's the- i took a selfie in front of the andrew destin statue when i was around it was great it's uh, one of the one of the true landmarks that you would want to see if you ever go to san jose don't go to san jose uh, there's nothing there it's just sunshine 75 degrees it couldn't be any worse there's nothing no, no place worse on the planet what am i gonna say um, all right let's get out of here <laughs> i'm done i'm letting you get back to the california sunshine all right th- thanks everybody for tuning into the podcast we will catch you all again next week but be sure to keep up with matt's coverage with the team out in southern california for the rest of the week and we will catch you all again next week thank you for checking out this content from post gazette sports if you watch this video on youtube please like the video and subscribe to our channel for all of the sports coverage the post gazette has to offer visit post-gazette.com.